right, welcome to another Thursday edition of Hart's Home Half, hosted by yours truly, Austin Hart. Before we get into everything today, just a couple of things. First off, as always, you can find Hart's Home Half on Instagram and Twitter at Hart's Home Half on both platforms. That's where I'm posting about episode drops on Mondays and Thursdays. I'm really trying to be uh, active on both of those platforms. But that brings me to my second point. I'm so sorry for having been gone for so long. I haven't had an episode since last Thursday. I missed this Monday. had some unforeseen circumstances and events come up. and I wasn't able to get the podcast recorded. But I've been working on putting together this really, really great pod for today. There's a lot to get to. Unfortunately, I know, yes, we have to talk about it. The Lightning, I mean, since we've talked last Thursday, they lost the Stanley Cup to the Colorado Avalanche. Um, Yeah, the Avalanche clinched the Cup in Tampa, so we're going to have to talk about that series a little bit and how that all went down. Um, But I also got some updates from the MLB as well for the Rays and the Marlins. And then we're going to have to round out talking about everything today with the Orlando Magic's number one pick, the surprise Paolo Bancaro from Duke. We're going to talk about that later in the pod, but let's get to the Lightning and talk about them first. And yes, obviously it's very disappointing, but last Thursday we talked about the Bolts being down in a real tough spot already. They were down 3-1 in the series going back to Colorado. It was going to be a rigorous game five. I mean, that place was going to be bumping in Denver and it sure was. But still, last pod, me and the boys felt optimistic about the Bolts' chances to get that win and bring it back home, and they pulled it out. A gritty Game 5 win away from home. They kept the series alive, uh, and that was last Friday night. So we'll take it one game at a time, and we'll talk about this game before we get into Game 6. But it was it was awesome to see the Lightning remain really, really focused in this Game 5, getting a 3-2 win behind 35 saves from Vazzy. He looked absolutely locked in in Colorado, which was a really good sign for the Lightning, honestly, because of how, again, dominant, powerful, speedy the Avs are. There's so many words to describe them. I mean, I did mention this almost every pod that we've been talking about the Lightning facing Colorado. They're just so good. They're just way too good of a team. But it was great to see Vazzy really spoil the Avs' chance to clinch at home the first time around in this Game 5, because they are, they would have a second chance to do it in Game 7 if the Bolts are able to win in Game 6. But Kucherov, Jan Ruda, Andre Pillai all scored to keep the Avs at bay for this game. And they built a little bit of momentum heading back to Tampa for Game 6. You know, I feel like there, there was a little bit more optimism in the air. Everything felt really, really good, especially when Steven Stamkos for the Bolts scored at home in just under four minutes into Game 6 to open up the scoring 1-0. But unfortunately from there, that would be the only goal that they would score against the Avs that night. The Lightning would get shut out from then on. Two second-period goals from a couple of Colorado Stars and Lykanen and McKinnon they were enough to hold off the Lightning in Game 6 and... Colorado, I mean, talk about a stifle job. In the third period, they only let the Bolts get four shots on net. I mean, really really kind of unacceptable for a team that's fighting for their lives in the Stanley Cup Final. But once again, it's kind of just another tale of Colorado's speed and ability to generate shots on net. They're so overpowering, and they came away with the Cup. I have to say, you know, hats off to this team, you know, respect to them. Because realistically, 
I mean, looking at this team, they've been a wagon all year. Like, they've dominated the regular season and the playoffs like it's nothing. They swept two teams in the playoffs easily. So, I mean, I would have to say that this cup is definitely rightfully earned. Just tough to see that, you know, my team, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they couldn't bring it home. The team for Florida couldn't bring it home uh, to keep the Stanley Cup in Florida. But I will say before we move on and pretty much officially end hockey talk here on the pod, probably for a good minute, the Lightning revealed quite a laundry list of injuries after the series was over. And boy, that roster was apparently seriously hurting through the playoffs. And I know it's a tough sport and, you know, guys generally play through injuries all the time, especially come come playoff time. But man, those were like some really tough ones to see. So also want to say hats off to those boys for competing as hard as they did for as long as they did. I know they didn't come away with the cup. They didn't, you know, reach the ultimate mountaintop. But I mean, for going out there and bearing through apparently all these injuries that they had, you know, they had a lot of chances to kind of just throw in the towel and call it a season, but they didn't do that, and they fought through a lot, so hats off to them as well. Um, but, man, that I guess that's pretty much going to be it for the Bolts for now. Um, if we have any news, obviously we'll break that and talk about it on the pod anytime over the off season. but, man, what a great season for the Lightning, and we're going to just hopefully look forward to another great season next one as well. Let's bounce over now and talk about some baseball. And the both both teams in Florida though right now it's it's been a little weird you know every pod it feels like they're either up or they're down or something's going on and that's that's pretty much a combination of both with both these teams right now they've been on some roller coaster rides as of late so I say we'll check in with the Miami Marlins first last week starting on Tuesday the Marlins began a three game series with the Colorado Rockies and they swept those boys. They won two one-run games in the process. Got some great clutch hitting from Garrett Cooper and Avisail Garcia in those games. And the middle game was a really nice win thanks to a beautiful seven-inning outing from Pablo Lopez looking as dominant as he has been pretty much all season for the Fish. And pretty much yet another three-RBI game from Jazz Chisholm. Tough news for him, though. He has just gone on the IL. I think he's had some back tightness. That is really, really unfortunate. One of the stars, if not the star, for this Miami Marlins team. Um, So you hate to see a guy as electric as him, a guy as potent as him in the lineup, uh, out of it for now. But continuing on with how the Marlins have been doing a little bit. So you get that great sweep. Absolutely putting up some great wins against the Rockies. Those two one-run games, you know, you're finally getting on the better side of those one-run games, and you're flipping the script a little bit, and that feels good for the Marlins. But after that, things started to slide a little bit, unfortunately. The Mets were able to take two out of three games from the Marlins, and unfortunately, they're division rivals, and at the top of their division right now. But the good news, Miami, they were able to get another win of one run against the Mets. So, again, they're improvising their record in that one-run department. It's a nice ninth inning home run from rookie Nick Fortes. I hope I'm pronouncing that last name right. Um, but man, think about how many rookies Miami has used in some clutch situations this year. And they've, I mean, it feels like almost every pod we're also talking about the debut of somebody for the Miami Marlins or some rookie, you know, putting up a great performance to help lead the fish to a win. It's so, so cool, I think, that the Marlins are using as many of these 
young players and all this young talent that they can because you know the more they can build this team and get a really really solid roster together the better they're going to be moving forward especially in the long term but again back back to how the how the how, how the Marlins have been doing they just played the cards the cardinals in their last series and they also took two of three from the Marlins thankfully Miami was able to scrap together a win last night to stay out of sweep territory and it was a great win. Sandy Alcantara pitched a beautiful, complete game. That guy looks like he could be the Cy Young in the National League right now. And a definite all-star candidate, no doubts about it. And Avisail Garcia clutched up once again with a late homer. Former Rays legend Avisail Garcia clutching up again for the Marlins. Their series with the Nationals is going to start tomorrow night. Hopefully they're going to try and get back on the right track. Need to win a series and get back in a good winning mojo. But hopefully that win last night will help propel them there a little bit. As for the Rays, very similar situation, honestly. Similar kind of roller coaster ride for them. Since last Thursday when I brought on my roommate, resident Rays expert Kyle Quillez, and I had on uh, FSU catcher Colton Vincent to talk about the Rays a little bit. Um, you know, since then they've started their interleague play a little bit. Um, and on Friday night, they had their first of three games against the Pirates after the off day on Thursday. And the Rays were actually able to sweep their NL foes three straight games thanks to back-to-back walk-offs on Friday and Saturday from Isak Paredes and Harold Ramirez, capped off with a dominant performance from Shane McClanahan in the final game of that series. He struck out 10 Pirates en route to a en route to a 4-2 win. Sorry about that. I'm getting real tongue-tied here. Um, but from there, the Rays have been skidding a little bit. Kind of the same thing we were talking about with the Marlins. They were able to get that early sweep, but then starting to go on a slide. They just lost two straight at home to the Brewers, another interleague opponent. They're both 5-3 to three final scores, but I don't really believe that they're representative of kind of how the games went. I mean, these scores, I feel like, kind of imply that they were closer than we were. Honestly, the offense, though, it was poor again in this little mini-series, this little two-game series. I mean, we just we weren't really getting to their starting pitching, and you know, we'd be lucky if we were able to break through against their bullpen. So it was just two tough games to watch most of the bats struggle again. But the really great news, we just got Wander Franco back off the IL. He made his return this past Sunday against the Pirates, and he is definitely a powerful force that we can add back to this Rays lineup. Also, a very nice, strong defensive presence and leadership figure there at shortstop. So we're really, really happy to have Wander back in the lineup. But boy, did these bats need to get rolling, especially tonight as the Rays are going to be facing the Toronto Blue Jays and how we know how great that pitching staff is up there in Toronto. So having to go up there in Canada and face these Blue Jays in division, it's going to be a tough, tough series. So the Rays are going to look to get back on the right track as well starting tonight. All right. Now let's round everything out today and talk about some Orlando Magic. Obviously, they're not playing basketball right now, but I mean... (sighs) A complete stunner. A complete stunner, right? So the last time we talked about the Magic, we were super excited because they got the number one pick in the draft lottery. And a lot of the talk, I think, leading up to this point, I guess leading up to the draft, 
everybody was really thinking about Jabari Smith, and that was kind of like the insider word. You know, people that were very close to um, executive figures in the Magic were like, yeah, I think they're really, really leaning toward Jabari Smith. They loved his workout. He's the Auburn sharpshooter. He would have been a pretty quick plug-and-play in terms of the roster. I think he would have fit in pretty well. I say he's pretty, pretty. I would say he's pretty close to NBA ready. But again, like I said, it was a complete stunner because that's what I think most people wanted the Magic to do, or most people what I thought the Magic were going to do. But no chance. The Magic do a complete 180, and they select forward Paolo Bancaro from Duke. And this guy, who everybody says now is possibly the most NBA ready prospect in the draft. Because of his strong build, his frame, his knowledge of the game, and how how developed his abilities are at this stage in the game. But with every number one pick, I think comes a little bit of pressure. But this time, I feel like it's a little different because it's the Magic, and I'll kind of explain why. The past picks for the Magic have turned out to be superstar caliber players. That likely could have been franchise players if they would have all stayed and played in Orlando. You know, Shaq, Penny, Dwight. I mean, they would have been our guys for years to come if they didn't leave and go elsewhere. But, you know, they they brought tremendous success to us for a decent period of time. And I do think that there's some outside pressure to live up to. I mean, you know, maybe some high expectation in terms of how those past number one picks turned out for the Magic. I'm really interested to honestly see how he's going to be able to fit in with the team. You know, like I said, Jabari Smith was going to be, I think, a pretty good plug-and-play guy right there, but everybody's saying that Paulo Bancaro can fit even better. I'm not, you know, too fluid in understanding how well guys can fit into lineups in terms of basketball lineups, but, I mean, I'm really, I think, just going to have to tune into some summer league games over the next couple months and just see what he can do in terms of his talent. I mean, he's going to get his first NBA action, but obviously it's not going to compare to when he's able to step on the floor with Wendell, Franz, Cole, Markel Foltz in front of the you know busy Amway Center crowd that are anxious to see him debut. It's going to be a really, really exciting moment to get this guy on the floor for the Magic, and you know there's going to be a lot of hype surrounding him. They're going to try and milk it every possible way that they can. But... Hopefully this is a really, really good new beginning for the Orlando Magic. Having a really tough season last year, only winning 22 games. I'm really hoping they can turn it around this year. And Paolo Bancaro hopefully will be an integral part of that turnaround. So I think that's just going to do it for us here on this Thursday edition of Hearts Home Half. Thank you so much to everybody who's tuned in. I really, really appreciate it. Um, until next time, I'll be back with another episode on Monday. I promise I will be back for that Monday episode this time. Um, but until then, I'm Austin Hart. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.